Welcome to Talk World Radio, a half-hour discussion of politics as if the people mattered. I'm David Swanson. This week on Talk World Radio, we're speaking with Alfred Desaius about his work as a UN repertoire, as an author of nine books, including Building a Just World Order, which we'll be discussing, and how his work relates to events currently in the news, including in Ukraine. Alfred Desaius is a former UN independent expert on international order from 2012 to 18, a senior lawyer with the UN Office of the High Commissioner for Human Rights, Secretary of the UN Human Rights Committee, and Chief of the Petitions Department. He's the author of nine books, more than 200 scholarly articles. He is currently Professor of International Law at the Geneva School of Diplomacy. Alfred Desaius, welcome to Talk World Radio. Thanks for inviting me. And as you know, today I've had a fairly busy day. A uh, demonstration at the uh, Palais de Nations on behalf of uh, the uh, Mujahideen uh, of Camp Ashraf III. Uh, these are fighters uh, against uh, the Mullahs, and uh, back in 1988, uh, Ayatollah Khomeini uh, ordered them exterminated, <laughs> and they killed over 30,000 of them, and I've been calling for an uh, international commission of inquiry. Into it, I've convinced several of my rapporteur friends uh, to push the idea. And I think it is going to come to pass maybe during this session of the Human Rights Council that opened today. Today was, of course, uh, the high level uh, section only with um, uh, very senior foreign ministers or presidents, heads of state at the Human Rights Council here in Geneva. Uh, as you know, I was secretary of the Human Rights Committee. And I was uh, head of the petitions department, that is more or less registrar for all the uh, petitions that came for the Human Rights Committee, Committee Against Torture, Committee on the Elimination of Racial Discrimination, um, Committee on the um, Economic, Social and Cultural Rights, etc. And um, uh, in this context, I am actually appealing to uh, uh, the, your audience uh, to send uh, petitions to the uh, High Commissioner for Human Rights, uh, Michel Bachelet. Among other things, one thing that concerns me very much is this absolutely totalitarian decision of uh, the European Union uh, to block access uh, to uh, RT and to Sputnik. You may or may not like it, but uh, the rule of law depends on audi atur et altera pars. It really depends on the commitment to get all the facts, proactively get all the facts, evaluate all the views, and arrive at your own judgment. I mean, there's no meaning in Article 15 of the Covenant on Civil and Political Rights, the Freedom of Expression article, uh, if you can only echo whatever nonsense you heard last night in CNN. I mean, what is important is that you, as a responsible citizen, get information. And I will not have any government say, I cannot listen 
to Al Jazeera if I want to listen to Al Jazeera. Or I cannot listen to uh, CGTN because there's fake news. I'm sorry. New York Times is fake news. Washington Post is fake news. CNN is fake news. I mean, everybody has its slant. And everybody deliberately or through inadvertence gives us false information. So I insist on being able to listen to uh, RT and Sputnik if I want to, when I want to. And happily, I live in Switzerland. I am not only an American citizen, I'm also a Swiss citizen. And I am very proud that I can listen to anything here in Switzerland. It would be inconceivable uh, to block access uh, to a um, news uh, service. Now, since I mentioned uh, this uh, totalitarian move by the European uh, Union, I must also uh, mention my compassion, my sympathy, my solidarity uh, with the people of Ukraine, but also with the people of Donbass. I mean, this uh, crisis did not emerge today. It is, I mean, it's, it is tragic. It, it is, of course, a major violation of the UN Charter. Of course, uh, Russia has no right to attack uh, uh, Ukraine. After all, they are brothers and sisters. They're the same ethnic group and almost the same language. But in any event, uh, the use of force is clearly prohibited in Article 2, Paragraph 4 of the UN Charter. And uh, I condemn it. And I want this uh, adventure to stop. I want peace. I want humanitarian assistance for the victims. Uh, and I want reconciliation. Of course, the atmosphere has been poisoned, and uh, we in the West are not innocent. I mean, the provocations over the last eight years uh, by NATO uh, against Russia are irresponsible, and they have led to this crisis. I mean, nobody likes to have missiles and uh, tons of ammunition and military equipment stationed right next door. Imagine uh, how the U.S. government uh, would react if Mexico were to join a military alliance with China or with Russia, and then China or Russia were to uh, put their missiles and whatever uh, in Mexico. The U.S. would not allow it. That would be a red line as it was indeed in 1962 during the Cuban Missile Crisis, which was solved not unilaterally. Uh, it's not just that Khrushchev removed uh, the missiles from Cuba, it was a quid pro quo. And uh, the United States had to remove its missiles from Turkey. And it's obvious that um, uh, Putin feels threatened and remember, Article 2, Paragraph 4 of the UN Charter prohibits not only the use of force, but also the threat of the use of force. And this constant expansion of NATO eastwards, notwithstanding the assurances given by James Baker in 1989 and by other senior American officials in talks with Chancellor 
Helmut Kohl of Germany with Foreign Minister Hans-Dietrich Genscher. All of these things are put down on paper in the minutes of these uh, meetings that took place. Admittedly, there's no treaty that says black on white, no Eastern expansion. But uh, senior officials are plenipotentiaries who bind their countries to certain policies. And uh, it's not just the breach uh, of a gentleman's agreement. It's much more than that, because Khrushchev, I beg your pardon, uh, Gorbachev in 1989 did not have to uh, withdraw Soviet troops from Central and Eastern Europe. He offered that as uh, a gesture of uh, cooperation, friendship, etc. He doesn't want to have war with the West. He wants to end this ridiculous, uh, wasteful arms race. He wants to end uh, the Cold War. He stretches his hand to George H. W. Bush Sr., who gladly accepts it. And uh, everybody was so full of hope. I remember in 1989, 1991, we all expected finally we can have disarmament for development. Finally, we can convert military first economies into human security economies. And what did we do? These neocons, these fanatics, these people obsessed uh, with this uh, very unchristian ideology uh, of uh, neoliberalism, uh, they decided that they were, after all, going to expand NATO eastwards, after all. Gorbachev dismantles Warsaw Pact. Gorbachev wants a new European security architecture for everybody that takes care of the concerns of all Europeans, including Russians. And we were going to get it. And unfortunately, we spoiled it. We Americans, not the Russians, we spoiled it. We broke our, our word and our best diplomat, George Foster Kennan, uh, whom I knew, whom I visited several times at Princeton, and who actually gave me the title of my first book. My first book came out in 1977, imagine, uh, under the title uh, Nemesis at Potsdam. And I had interviewed him several times on the Potsdam Conference and, of course, on the whole uh, end of the Second World War and the Marshall Plan, everything like that flow, uh, flowed into my uh, book. In any event, when I interviewed him, uh, I asked him, of course, about European security matters. And I was very pleased to read in the year 1997 that he was warning strongly against expanding NATO eastwards and saying that this is counterproductive, that this is going to create tensions in Europe that is going to cost us very, very dearly later on. Now, uh, the last uh, American ambassador to the uh, Soviet Union was uh, uh, Jack uh, Matlock. 
And you may have read his recent uh, rather uh, precise article uh, confirming indeed that these assurances were given and that we evidently have a culture of cheating. We think that cheating uh, is daring, visionary fun. And uh, of course, it's short-sighted and stupid. And now we have the consequences of it. And um, I looked at uh, Putin's two draft uh, treaties that he proposed uh, early December 2021. They were entirely moderate, sedate, reasonable. The man is not asking NATO to roll back uh, or to take back its uh, armaments as from Poland or from Lithuania or from Estonia or whatever. He's asking for a bit of respect. He's asking for security at its borders. He doesn't want uh, missiles in Ukraine. He wouldn't want to have missiles in Georgia. Now, the best arrangement could have been, and I think it would have been easy to convince Shalinsky of that. I think Shalinsky would have been ready to give that assurance uh, that Ukraine would not enter NATO. Uh, with that assurance, Russia would have been happy. But evidently, we have been pushing him into intransigence. We have been pushing Shalinsky into saying no, 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 no. And um, the other thing that I would have uh, proposed, uh, and I have in a number of my articles, is to use the old, very sensible practice uh, of uh, neutrality. I live in Switzerland, which is a neutral country. Austria is neutral. Finland is neutral. Mongolia is neutral. There's a whole number of states that are neutral. And I think it would have been in the interest of the Ukrainian people to declare themselves neutral. And that way they could have the best relations in the West and the best relations in the East. And with a stable uh, Ukraine, which we could help financially, Sooner or later, they would enter the European Union. So everybody happy. No, no. So NATO really is an aggressive alliance. NATO has nothing to do since the dismantlement of the uh, Warsaw Pact. NATO is no longer a defensive uh, alliance. NATO has engaged in aggressive war, unprovoked war, in Yugoslavia, against Serbia, in Afghanistan, in Iraq, in Libya, in Syria, in Somalia, and all of that in total impunity. What does that tell you? That because we, the Western powers, NATO, has engaged in crimes against peace, war crimes and crimes against humanity, in total impunity, that, shall we say, they have weakened the system. They have weakened uh, the prohibition of the use of force, because if you do something like that and get away with it, that's an invitation. Just now, uh, in September 2020, 
Azerbaijan uh, with the assistance of Turkey and Syrian and Libyan mercenaries conducted a blitzkrieg against the poor Armenians of Nagorno-Karabakh. Killed tens of thousands, destroyed, well, whole swathes of the country, including churches and monasteries, uh, took away a third of the uh, territory of uh, Nagorno-Karabakh, uh, and uh, did it in total impunity. What did the international community say about it? What does the international community say about the daily war crimes committed by Saudi Arabia in Yemen, the greatest humanitarian crisis that we have today? No, they're not interested in that. They just want to pick on Putin. Putin is our preferred enemy. We have made an enemy out of him. We don't give him a chance to be anything else but an enemy. And of course, you push him, you push him, you push him. And when you put somebody, push someone uh, against the wall, sooner or later, uh, he has no choice but to move forward and push you. And that Alfred, is Alfred Desaias. Uh, Alfred Desaias, I, 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 much as I love the idea and think I could do it of of having a whole interview without asking a single question, I, I want to ask one, uh, and, and and it is this. Uh, I have friends, colleagues, allies who for years and in recent months and weeks were condemning NATO expansion and U.S. aggression and weapons shipments as creating a crisis. But now, a week later, they are absolutely convinced that the war is 100% motivated by the nationalism of Vladimir Putin, by the his ancient history, mythology, ethnic identity, sure. propaganda of, of Vladimir Putin has nothing whatsoever to do with NATO, was going to happen. Any they can't explain why it didn't happen a month or a year or a decade ago, but they're convinced that this is the reason for the war. What do you say to that? Intellectual dishonesty, hypocrisy double standards. But again, uh, you mentioned my first book uh, with Clarity Press, uh, The Building, A Just World yes. Order. Well, uh, Clarity gave me a contract uh, for a new book, and I'm halfway into it. And the new book is called The Human Rights Industry. And the book, which, by the way, is very positive, very upbeat, and uh, very constructive. But the book is also very critical of certain elements uh, in uh, politics, in diplomacy, in uh, the non-governmental community, uh, in academia. I mean, who actually have betrayed human rights, who have instrumentalized human rights in order to push a geopolitical agenda, who have weaponized uh, human rights in order to demonize rivals. And that is really a disgrace. It is blasphemy to convert human rights into a Kalashnikov, into a weapon of uh, mass destruction against uh, your preferred enemy, whether it be uh, Russia or China or Belarus or whoever. And uh, whereas the non-governmental uh, organizations such as Human Rights Watch, Amnesty International, International Service for Human Rights, they do do good work, 
and they put out uh, good reports. But on occasion, they let themselves be used politically. And uh, even the Inter-American uh, Commission on Human Rights, uh, when I was rapporteur in Venezuela, and uh, I went there with the reports of Human Rights Watch and of uh, Inter-American Commission, etc., and I fact-checked. Uh, there was so much wrong in these reports. I mean, when I was on the ground and I could speak with people, I realized that what I've been told, what I had read before going on my mission, had been a bunch of lies. And that, I must say, is a problem. That means that the great masses of Americans and Brits and Germans and French are being indoctrinated by, I don't know, whether you want to call it uh, the uh, establishment, you want to call it the elites, you want to call it uh, the neoliberals or the neocons. In any event, we are not getting the news. We are being brainwashed. And this is the same which I observe in the case of uh, Ukraine, because uh, since 2014 and that uh, shameless uh, coup d'etat that we organized uh, in Maidan against the democratically elected uh, president of Ukraine, uh, Viktor Yanukovych, there's been only misery since 2014 for these poor Ukrainians. And I find it uh, a, a simply uh, a disgrace that we would have the cynicism and the hypocrisy uh, to present ourselves as friends of Ukraine when we have pushed uh, Ukraine uh, to this disaster. I'm sure that uh, Poroshenko, the former president, or Shelinsky would have implemented the Minsk agreements of 2014 and 2015 had it not been for the EU and NATO telling them don't 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 uh, make any compromise. Well, the world is full of necessary intelligent compromises, and yeah. the Russians have their interests, the uh, Ukrainians have their interests. They can meet halfway, and that is what uh, uh, you know the book of uh, the end of history, Fukuyama's, and the approach taken uh, by NATO: winner takes all. And uh, we are the winners of history, and then the, the Russians have to do what we tell them. Well, it doesn't always work that way, and I hope that these escalations that we have caused will not bring the world to the brink of World War III. Uh, Alfred Desaius, what do you think of prosecution of the crime of war or what's called aggression at the International Criminal Court if it were possible uh, to prosecute the Russian government? I would want that, but then I wouldn't want it for a couple of reasons. I wouldn't want it without prosecution of the U.S. and other governments that have engaged in the same crime repeatedly, and I wouldn't want it at the expense of negotiating a peace settlement and pulling back NATO. What is the what is the state of affairs in trying to advance the rule of law in the case of war in this situation? Well, international law must be applied uniformly. It cannot be applied a la carte. 
the moment that you start uh, applying double standards and saying, I'm going to pr prosecute this person, but this, not this other person, uh, then the whole credibility, the authority uh, of the court is shot. And I think that the International Criminal Court has no credibility because hitherto it has refused to open investigations in the cases of Tony Blair and George W. Bush, etc. It has only indicted Africans. And obviously they would love to indict um, uh, Putin. Uh, but I would say before you indict Putin, how about indicting Tony Blair, who has just been knighted? How about uh, in, indicting all those in the State Department and in the Pentagon who caused this, uh, what I would call, the greatest uh, violation of the Nuremberg principles since the Nuremberg trials, to wit, the assault on the Iraqi people in uh, March of 2003, uh, Supposedly, by democratic uh, precedents, I remember Jose Maria Aznar and Tony Blair and even Silvio Berlusconi in Italy. I remember that there were millions of Italians on the street protesting the war against uh, Iraq in Rome, in Milan, in Florence, in Madrid, in Barcelona, in Granada in uh, uh, London, in Manchester, in Liverpool, and these three so-called so democratic leaders dragged their people into a genocidal war against an innocent people in Iraq. Absolutely shocking. And uh, in total impunity. What does that tell you? We have created precedents of permissibility. If we get away with it, Putin thinks he can get away with it. If Turkey can invade, destroy the territorial integrity of Cyprus in 1974, occupy the island, occupy uh, 30, I mean 37 percent of the island, destroy churches and monasteries and loot them on top of it, expel 200,000 Greek Cypriots uh, from the north to the south. There are still thousands of disappeared persons uh, since uh, 1974, and he did it in total impunity. So uh, you want to, uh, uh, to have uh, the uh, International Criminal Court pursue the crime of aggression, yes, but then pursue it against everybody. Otherwise, if you want to have some kind of reconciliation and you say there's been enough killing and there's been enough suffering, uh, I don't insist on punishment. I insist first and foremost on the rehabilitation of the victims. I am victim oriented. I, I, I take no pleasure in uh, punishing people. That is uh, a sort of old-fashioned uh, and very simplistic way of uh, looking at uh, international law. Uh, I would, uh, yes.
Thank you uh, for that. It, it, let me just say then, in conclusion, that we have been speaking with Alfred Desaius, uh, who can go on for hours, and I wish we could, uh, but the show has to end. Uh, I recommend instead that you pick up a copy of Building a Just World Order, one of his most recent books, an incredible education on international law uh, that uh, would have benefited many uh, national leaders to have read uh, in the recent weeks. Alfred Desaius, thank you very, very much for coming on Talk World Radio. Thanks for having me. This is Talk World Radio. I'm David Swanson. Take action at rootsaction.org. Help end war at worldbeyondwar.org. Read or listen to today's Peace Almanac entry at peacealmanac.org. All past shows can be heard at talkworldradio.org. Talk World Radio is produced in Charlottesville, Virginia, and syndicated by Pacifica Network. There is no way to peace. Peace is the way.